Right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on experiencing the blessing of God. I believe we're in part three of this series. I'm not sure exactly how many more we're going to have to go. At least one more, if not two or three more lessons on this. It depends on how far we get today. Uh, just so you know, you can, you, uh, all of our teachings, all of our Bible studies are archived on our, our website at LighthouseDiscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And so, uh, again, the website is LighthouseDiscipleship.org, and the YouTube channel is Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings, those who are getting fed through this ministry, we thank you for your your faithful support, and you can find out all that information, how to give, whether it be online or by mail, you can find out all that through our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. And I know that we missed a couple Bible studies the last week or two, and we just have been super busy, and we've had to, uh, at the last minute, uh, cancel a couple Bible studies. We never cancel Sunday morning, uh, but sometimes we, lately we've had to cancel a few Bible studies. So if you think you missed something, you haven't. We just haven't been here for that. We apologize, but bear with us. We're, we've been in a very busy season right now. We have multiple jobs plus our ministry. Uh, we are going to bounce back uh, from some of this, but uh, just bear with us. Uh, we're still here. Uh, you haven't missed anything in the sense of content. You might have missed it just because we're not here and we only are offering one thing, uh, one thing a week right now. But uh, you haven't missed any content, and so uh, so uh, we just thank you for your patience with that, and uh, appreciate your prayers and support, so we can get out of this busy season back into uh, uh, you know ministering the way we, we would uh, like to. So anyway, without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and jump right back into our message this morning. We're talking about experiencing the blessing of God. So one, in other words, we're not just talking about the blessing of, of God, even though we are. We're talking about experiencing it. Christianity is supposed to be something that you experience, okay? We are different. We are the people of God. We're, we are born again. We are born of God. We, salvation is an awesome experience. It's not just a one-time thing when you see Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the greatest miracle of all. <coughs> Excuse me. When you become born again, that's the greatest miracle of all. But how do you know that when you become born again, that's just the beginning? When you become born naturally, it's a great miracle naturally when your, your mother gave birth to you. But that was just the beginning of your life. Your life doesn't just end on the day that you're born. You are going to, the whole life is your journey. Not only your life journey here on earth, <coughs> excuse me, but your journey as you as we live forever in eternity in a relationship with God. When you are born, and when you are born again, that is just the beginning. And in this born-again experience, having a relationship with God, being born of God, being born of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, being born of the Savior of the world, there's a blessing that goes with that. We are blessed because we are children of God. We are blessed because we are the people of God. And we should be experiencing the blessing of God. That doesn't mean we're not going to have challenges in this world, in this life. We are going to have challenges in this world, this life. Okay? Because of the fall. But at the same point in time, we are different. You know, 
when the plagues came to Egypt in the days of Moses. It says that it was different in the land of Goshen than it was in the land of Egypt. Okay, the, the people of God experienced something different. Even when they were in the wilderness, they experienced the blessing of God. Okay, and so we are blessed. We are the people of God. So, uh, I want to kick it off with the same verse I kicked it off last week. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it says, Paul says in Romans, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? <coughs> Excuse me. And one thing I want to emphasize again that I emphasized last week, God proved he was for you at the cross. He proved it. He proved it to the cross. God doesn't need to prove it anymore. The cross is the greatest proof of all. And if God will give you Jesus, he will give you anything. If God will give you Jesus, why wouldn't he heal your body? If God would give you Jesus, why wouldn't he give you peace? If God would give you Jesus, why wouldn't he provide for you? Why wouldn't he bless you? If God would give you Jesus, why would he not give you all things? It says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God, not just some, but all the promises of God are in Him, in Christ, are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. There's a lot in this verse that I'm quoting right here from Corinthians, but I, let me just emphasize this for, for uh, right now, and that God is glorified when we walk in all the promises. When we walk in his promises, God is glorified. God, in other words, we can, we can flip that. God is not glorified when you're not walking in the promises. When your life is not blessed, God's not glorified. I don't say that to put you down. I, just say, I say that don't settle. Don't be complacent. Don't, don't settle for less than God's best. Okay? And so God wants to bless your life so that you, and we're going to get there, and we've been teaching this, but we're going to emphasize it over and over. God wants to bless you, you so you can be a blessing. You know, it's going to be very hard for you to be a blessing to people if you're not blessed yourself. You know, and so, uh, and I'm not saying you can't to a certain point or a certain level, but you can't give something you haven't received. We always talk it's more, more blessed to give than receive, but you can't give something you don't have. Okay? You have to be blessed to get to bless people. Okay? We also spent a lot of time the last few weeks, especially in our first session, talking about Proverbs 10 22, which says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. We, I spent a lot of time breaking this verse, this verse apart. You know, we're talking about, in this series, we're talking about experiencing <coughs> the blessing of God. Okay? And the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Now, the blessing of God is not just about finances. But the blessing of God does not exclude finances either. Okay? Let me say that again. The blessing of God is not just about finances. We're not just talking about wealth and riches, even though the blessing of God makes one rich. Okay? But it also doesn't exclude finances either. Okay? We talked over the last two weeks, we went through the new, the book, basically the book of Genesis, and we looked how God blessed Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. In the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, God blessed his people. Not just with finances and wealth, but with finances and wealth. He blessed them in many different ways. And they all had different challenges. Isaac, going back to this list, <coughs> I mean, Abraham was, was barren. 
I, Adam caused the whole, the whole fall for all of us in one sense. Isaac, and that was before the fall, but I say more time. Noah was blessed. Okay, Noah had issues. Noah got drunk. Okay? Uh, uh, and that was after the flood. Isaac experienced a famine. Jacob was a con artist. Actually, if you look at all these people, especially Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were all con artists to a certain level, you know, and uh, especially Jacob, you know. I mean, his name, Jacob, meant deceiver, okay? But his name was changed to Israel, the prince, okay? And then Joseph, you know, Joseph was probably the, the, the one that my favorite on this list of people that we looked at. But Joseph went through troubles. He was betrayed by his own brothers, you know, he was betrayed by Potiphar's wife. He was forgotten in the jail by the, the guy who he interpreted the dream that he was restored back to the king's palace. And then, you know, he finally became uh, the prime minister of Egypt. But just because they were blessed doesn't mean they didn't have problems. They didn't have problems. But that blessing saw them through the problem. So they didn't have to be governed. Their life didn't have to be limited by the problems. Joseph was blessed no matter where he went. He was blessed, blessed in his father's house. <coughs> he was blessed in Potiphar's house. He was blessed in the prison. I mean, he was blessed in Potiphar's house, and he before he even did anything, he, he, they said he was blessed. He was prosperous. How do you be prosperous when all you have is a loincloth? You know, and I'm not trying to be gross, but at the same point in time, how do you be blessed? How do you how do you be prosperous when you don't have anything? That didn't stop the blessing of God. The blessing of God is not limited by your situation. The blessing of God is dependent on God, your Father, and who you are born of. <coughs> Excuse me. So we talked about how the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and He adds no sorrow to it. With what you believe connects you with what you will receive. If you don't believe that God will make you rich, then you won't receive it. If you don't believe that healing is for the day, then you're not going to receive it. If you don't think that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you won't receive him. What you believe connects with what you receive. Okay? We also talk about how God wants to, us to work and bless the work of our hands. We're not just talking about being complacent. We're not just talking about being lazy and passive. That's not the gospel. That is not true. There's a rest for the people of God, yes. But we have to labor to enter into that rest. And we are, Jesus said, we are to be occupied until he comes. There's work to do. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. There's a difference. You don't do good works to go to heaven. You don't do good works so God blesses you. You... Jesus already did the work of the cross. You received Jesus. But now that you receive Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of Christ who lives in you, you now have work to do. Because there's, how many know there's people who need to be saved? There's people who need to be delivered. There's things that need to be done. Jesus said we need to occupy until he comes. And he said he will bless the work of our hands. We look at several different scriptures. We'll be looking at some more throughout the series. But God wants to bless the work of your hands. So in other words, in Psalm 97, one of Sherry and I, our favorite verse, it says, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. He says it twice. 
God wants to establish the work of your hands. He can't establish the work of your hands if you're not putting your work your hands to anything. Okay? And so, in this series, we're, we're tackling three different things. We're talking about the, the covenant of blessing, which we've been talking about the last two weeks. Today, we're going to start talking about the priestly blessing. And then, uh, maybe next week, depending on how far I get today, is talking about the priestly blessing. We'll be talking about the commanded blessing. Okay? But let me recap the, the, the covenant of blessing uh, a little bit, what we talked about the last two weeks. <coughs> Excuse me. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, God says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get well, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is to this day. Okay? So again, like I just mentioned, we talked about how God had a covenant blessing with all uh, six of these men, which we call, especially Abraham, Isaac, and jo Joseph, Jacob and Joseph, we call the patriarchs. Okay? But in the book of beginnings, we look at six main, main, main men. They're not the only people in the, in the book of Genesis, and they're not the only people. I could I mean, I could, I could talk uh, endless about so many different examples, but these are the ones I chose to focus on. Okay? But God blessed them. It was clear that God blessed them, and we talked about that in detail. But today, here in 2021, people are going crazy. But we are the people of God. Just like these men were the people of God, we are the people of God. And just like these men would do different things, like famines and different things, and, and betrayals like Joseph, you know, uh, some of these men didn't start out so well, uh, but they were blessed. And the things might be going crazy in our world. Jesus said they would be. Paul said these days, these perilous times would come. John talked about this. James and Peter, all the apostles talked about the times that we're living in. And we are the people of God. We are different. Okay? We even mentioned last week, going back to this list real quick, how the Philistines envy Isaac. The Philistines were going through the same famine Isaac was. But Isaac was blessed despite the famine. Okay? Why? We're the people of God. So we don't need to be going crazy. We're the people of God. We are the children of God. We are the blessed of God. And we have had the blessing in Christ. See, we talked about these six men in the Old Testament, but how we also, how not only did God bless these men, but God blessed <coughs> Jesus. And because God blessed Jesus, we are blessed. Okay? Paul connects all of this in Galatians chapter 3. Verse 8, it says, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that includes most of us. Most, unless some of you are Jews, that includes some of us. Okay? And if you're Jews, you're already blessed. But Gentiles, we are, just by, we are blessed by faith. Okay? We are justified by faith. <coughs> that's not the scope of my message here, but that, that's what the verse is saying. And, but he goes on to say, he, God preached the gospel to Abraham. How did God preach the gospel to Abraham? Because beforehand he said, In you all the nations shall be blessed. All the nations includes you and me. Okay? We are blessed because uh, of Abraham. Okay? In other words, Paul doesn't stop here in verse 8. Verse 9 says, So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. If you are of faith with Jesus Christ, the same blessing that was on Abraham is on you. That's what Paul says. Paul, we consider, most of us consider Paul as a 
one of the main authors of the New Testament. Okay? And they're not, uh, he's not the only one author. We have John, and we have the Gospel letters and whatnot. But, and so, then those who are faith are blessed with, with believing Abraham. He goes on to say, skipping down to verse 13, Excuse me. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as is written, the curse is everyone who hangs on the tree, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, where? In Christ Jesus. That we, that who's we? You and me. We receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you are born again, you are blessed. God said it. Paul preached it. I believe it. I receive it. If you believe on Jesus, you are blessed. You are blessed with believing Abraham. You are blessed by the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. You are blessed coming in and going out. We'll look at this a little bit later in our teaching. You are blessed in your spirit, in your mind, in your body. You are blessed in your finances, in your storehouse. We'll also look at this later on in our teaching. You are blessed... Everywhere you go, everything you touch, we have a covenant blessing that we inherited in Christ Jesus. So, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Okay? He concludes the chapter, chapter 3, with verse 29, and it says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I love Galatians chapter 3 because he's talking about how we are blessed if, with believing Abraham if we receive Jesus Christ. Okay? And if you are Christ and you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If the word of God says it, I believe it. And I don't care what anyone else says, but, and I, you know, whether I fully understand this or not, and I, I, I believe I understand a lot more today than I did several years ago, but if I'm Christ, then I am Abraham's seed. And because I'm Abraham's seed, I am an heir according to the promise. I am blessed because I have Christ. Okay? So everything that God promised Abraham and his seed, I have inherited it because of Jesus. That's, that's awesome. All the promises of God are yes in him to the, and amen in him to the glory of God by us or through us. In other words, I am the seed of Abraham. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm of the seed of Christ. I'm born of God. I'm moved by whom I believe. I'm moved by the word of God and not by my circumstances. You might disagree with this, but I'm going to say, let God be true and every man a liar. Okay? I'm going to believe God. Okay? Abraham believed God that he was going to be the father of many nations when he didn't even have a child yet. At 99 years old, he still didn't have a child yet. He believed God. Abraham, Isaac believed God. Joseph believed God. Jacob believed God. Noah believed God and built a boat when it hadn't even rained yet. Not only had it never rained where he lived, here in California we haven't seen real, what I consider real rain in over a year. But he had, I mean, he, 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 you know, it took him hundreds of years to build that boat. And he just didn't just build a boat. I mean, if I'm going to build a boat and have it rain yet, I'm going to at least build it in the valley. <laughs> or by, at least by a little body of water. Water. He built it on a, on a mountaintop. <laughs> you know? Uh, I don't know about you, but that just, uh, that, that's just uh, backwards to me. But he believed God. And so, uh, and he built that boat. Okay? 
Deuteronomy 28 says, And the Lord will command a blessing on you and your storehouse and all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. We looked at this last week and brief, but God wants you to set your hand to something. Because whatever you set your hand to, God says he's going to bless it. Okay? The Lord says he will bless all that we set our hand to. Okay? However, if, we're not, if we are not setting our hand to anything, how many of you know a hundred times zero still equals zero? A thousand times zero equals zero. A million times zero equals zero. If you're not setting your hand to something, God can't bless it. And even if he does bless it, whenever he blesses times zero, because you're not setting your hand to nothing, it's still zero. Okay? All right, I hit a button here. Okay. He says, he gives you, he also says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he gives you power to get well, that he may establish his covenant. Which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as it is to this day. In other words, we taught how God does not give us wealth directly. God gives us the power, the ability to get wealth. Okay? So we're ta- we've been talking about, we're talking about the covenant of blessing, the priestly blessing, the co- and uh, the co- we're going to be talking about uh, later the commanded blessing. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> So the last two weeks we talked about the covenant blessing. Today I want to start talking about the priestly blessing. Okay? But before I get too deep in there, I want to establish something right off the, off the bat. Sometimes we get, when we talk about priests, we also need to understand the difference between Old and New Testament. Okay? So, so let me go to Revelation chapter 5 real quick. <coughs> Revelation chapter 5. This scene here, I can also echo what I'm going to read here. It's also quoted in Revelation chapter 1, part of what I'm going to read. But Revelation chapter 5 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because this is after the cross. This is after Jesus ascended on high. He's sitting at the right hand of God. But in this chapter, John sees a vision of the squirrel in the right hand of God. And he was weeping because no one was worthy to open the scroll. And then Jesus, the wicked man of God, was standing on the throne of God. He was he was able to open the scroll. And when he opened the scroll, it says that they, the, 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 the heavenly Sanhedrin, they began to sing a new song. Whatever Jesus did, even if we don't understand it, it caused them to change the song. I mean, there's sometimes I like a certain worship song, and I will play it over and over and over and over again. And Sherry might like it, the song too, but maybe after the fifth time... Tenth time, a hundredth time, she's like, can we play a different song? You know? But they were singing one song over and over and over again. But this event that Jesus did at the cross caused them to sing a new song. And this new song that they sang says, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Verse 10 and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. In the New Testament, by the blood of Jesus, we are kings and we are priests. Okay? It also says in 1 Peter chapter 2, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may be that you may proclaim of him. Who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light? Jesus is our high priest, 
but we are the priesthood of believers. Like it was in the Old Testament, Aaron was a high priest, but there was a priesthood, there was a Levitical priesthood. That makes sense? Okay? In the New Testament, Jesus is our high priest forever, and we are the priesthood of believers. So as we're talking about the priestly blessing, and we're going to be looking at some Old Testament scriptures, remember, we in the New Testament, we are priests. So these instructions go for us as well. Okay? <coughs> so in Deuteronomy chapter 10, that's where I want to start this talking about the priestly blessing. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, and that time, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi, that's the priesthood in the Old Testament, to bear the ark of the, uh, ark of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. So there was three responsibilities of the priesthood under Levi, under in the Levitical priesthood. Okay? Who gave these responsibilities? God did. So there was three responsibilities. The first one was to bear the ark of the Lord. The second one was to stand before the Lord to minister to him. And the third one was to bless his name. I got we got we just read that out of Deuteronomy chapter 10. Okay? So I want to look at briefly at these three. And then I'm going to spend most of my time talking about this third one right now, because we're talking about experiencing the blessings of the Lord. Okay? So the responsibilities of the priest, let's look at the first one real quick, to bear the Ark of the Lord. Now when we talk about just even the Ark of the Covenant, and especially this word covenant, it's an Ark, but it's an Ark of what? The Covenant. Not just a covenant, but the Covenant. And every time I see the word covenant, and maybe this is just me, but I always go to Psalm 89, verse 34, and it says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. I believe there's different covenants that God has given to different people, like Abraham, like Adam, like Noah. There's different covenants that God has made to different people, like David. But there's also, I believe, every word that God speaks is a covenant. That makes sense? Okay. And so, there's some covenants that are conditional, there's some covenants that are unconditional, but I believe if God said it, in my term, in my terminology, in my belief system, I believe it's a covenant. I can, why? Because I can believe it. I can count on it. Is there anything that God says that he doesn't keep? God keeps his word. Let God be true to every man a liar. God it even says that, that God honors his word above his own name. God will never break his covenant, and he will never break his word. So when I think of the Ark of the Covenant, I always have that in mind. Okay, I know, this is, and this is not an exhaustive study about the Ark of the Covenant. There's more to what I'm going to teach this morning about the Ark of the Covenant than I'm going to portray this morning. Okay, so bear with me. I'm not, this is not an exhaustive study on the Ark of the Covenant. But in the Ark of the Covenant, we see in Hebrews chapter 9, 4, there's three elements that were in the Ark which the golden censer of the Ark of the Covenant overlay with all sides of gold, in which the golden pot, <coughs> excuse me, that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. There was three things that were in there. So let me, let's look at these real quick uh, about the Ark of the Covenant. Because the priest was to bear this Ark. And this Ark represented some things. It represented more than what I'm talking about right now. But let me just use this as my premise for this morning. The Ark of the Covenant had the tablets of stone. To me, that represents the written word. 
Okay? Uh, hopefully you can go with that. It also brought the manna. The manna speaks of the daily bread. The meat that speaks of the spoken and the living word of God. Both be the word. Because this covenant is his word. Okay? Jesus said it this way. If there's a spirit who gives life, the flesh pops nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word is a living word. I mean, I, I love the Bible. I love it that I have a Bible I can read. But I also believe, according to Second Corinthians chapter three, I think it is, the word is not just the ink. The word of God is the, the, the Jesus is the living word. The word is not the ink. The word is a person, and I have a relationship with the word of God. I have a relationship with Jesus. I have. It's not just the ink. It's not the ink. It's the person. The Word of God is a person, and He is alive. It's a living Word. It's not a dead Word. It's not just words on the page. Okay? And the, and the, and the Ark of the Covenant, there were three things. There were, first of all, the, the top of the stone. Yes, I understand it with the law. It's the Ten Commandments. I get that. But that also speaks to me of, of the written Word of God. Because God wrote that, with, wrote that with His own hands. I, you know, I can spend a lot more time on all of this. This is not... A study about the Ark of the Covenant. But it also has the manna, his daily bread. I mean, we know we need his daily bread. We need it daily. You know, it's not just a written word, it's, but we need, it's a living word. We have a relationship with the word, okay? But it also, for example, let me just go here. You know, let me go off on this for a moment. It says in Psalm 112, verses 2 and 3, His seed shall be mighty upon the earth, and the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Our pastor, Austin Verdue, and his wife Barbara, years ago they had a, they started off with a, a, a small church in eastern Colorado, and they had a very uh, it was a small town, and they had their home, and they didn't have a lot of furniture or whatnot. And Austin Verdue would go around this, his house, speaking this word over his house. That he is of the generation of the upright, and he shall be blessed, and wealth and riches shall be in his house. And their, their income didn't increase, their expenses didn't increase, but their provision, what they had in their home, began to increase. Why? Because I believe, Elisabeth believed God's word, he spoke God's word over his house, and they began to see wealth and riches in their house. Okay, this is just one example. In other words, I believe that we need to speak over our lives, our homes, our families, our businesses, our uh, everything that we have that God has given us, and we need to bless it. Am I making sense? We don't just need to believe the Word of God. We need to also speak the Word of God. If God can speak His written Word to your spirit, <coughs> and if you will receive it, you believe and receive it, it will completely change your life. Okay? We are the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant. God has given a covenant to you. God has given a covenant to me. And we are to bear that Ark. We are to bear His Word. And we are to speak His Word. If you will believe His Word, it will completely change your life. And it can completely change your situation. Okay? Responsibilities of the priest again is to bear the ark of the Lord, and I just I just emphasized that just a second ago that we are to bear it. It's not just some religious exercise that we do. 
It's what we believe. It's who we are. It's what we do. And we are to be a witness to, the, to Jerusalem, to Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. We are to bear the word of God, the covenant of God. And we are to, to bear it, and we are to speak it. Okay? It's not just in a nice little ark called, a little chest called the Ark of the Covenant. It's something that, in the Old Testament, that's how they literally did it. But we are speaking it. We are, we are living epistles of this New Testament. And in the same same chapter where Paul says we are living epistles, he says that we are all able ministers of the new covenant. We are bearing the covenant of Jesus Christ that we call the gospel. Okay? And we are bearing it. And if we will continue to believe the word of God, if we will continue to speak the word of God, I just gave one example from Psalm 112. I can give you hundreds and thousands of them. Okay? But no matter what the natural situation may look like, we're believing and speaking what God says about us. We are believing and speaking what God says about our situation. Because the word has power. And it has power in our mouths when we believe it and when we speak. We are bearing, as priests, we are bearing the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? So there's a tablet of stone, written word. There's also the, so I will read the written word, but I will also, it's a living word. It's my daily bread. Okay? But there's also the Aaron's rod that budded. And I, I can speak this about uh, healing and different things as well, but there's, it also speaks of the anointing. And I just did a whole teaching series about walking in the anointing. Okay, I'm not going to rehash all of that again, but we can walk in the anointing. We have the anointing. Again, just even going back to the verse I just read from John, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh pops nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. There's anointing right there. They are alive. They are spirit. The anointing. The pneuma of God. Okay? So the priest, the responsibility of the priest was to bear the ark of the Lord. But the second thing they were supposed to do was stand before the Lord to minister to him. When we talk about ministry, and I'm not just talking about the five-fold ministry, but I'm also not excluding the five-fold ministry. Ministry starts with ministering to the Lord. If you don't minister to the Lord, in one sense, you have no ministry. Can I, can I put it that way? Your first ministry, your first responsibility, in one sense, is to minister to God. Okay? Let's talk about ministry for a second. In ministry, if you spend all of your time trying to reach the world without spending time in His presence, you will burn out. And one thing, you won't accomplish anything. Because if you accomplish anything without His presence, you're doing it in your own strength. You're doing it on your own. Okay? We are... Not only ministering to the Lord, we are also bearing the ark of the covenant. God is going with us. Okay? That makes sense? We're ministering to God, but we're taking God with us. Okay? We're also the blessed in his name. And let me let me tie some of this together. See in first Peter chapter four it says, As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We've all received a gift called grace. And we are to be ministered to one another as good stewards of that grace. If you've received grace, but you're not ministering it to one another, you are not a good steward of the manifold grace of God. 
process is selfish. Because you're taking it for yourself, but you're not going to give it to anyone else. The priest of the Lord, let me go backwards real quick, is to bear God's ark, his covenant. It's a ministry for him, but they're also supposed to take what they receive. How many know when you minister to God, he's ministering to you too? And you're supposed to take it and bless it in his name. Let me drive this in, okay? And going back to ministry real quick. We minister first to the Lord, and we minister second to one another, and we minister third to the world. And in this order, a lot of people are trying to do this first. This when they get around to it and don't even do this sometimes. Okay? But I believe the Bible talks about we're supposed to do it in this specific order. See, Scripture tells, talks about ministering to the Lord twice as much as it talks about ministering to one another. You, you can study Scripture from Genesis to Maps, the book of Revelation, and you can find twice as much we're supposed to minister to God twice as much as we minister to one another. But Scripture also talks about ministering to one another, I'm talking about within the church and the body of Christ, twice as much as it talks about ministering to the world. We need to reach the world. And I'm not eliminating that. But we start with ministering to, to the Lord. And then we minister to one another. And then, as a church, we reach the world. Okay, we minister to the Lord first, we minister to one another, and then we reach the world. That's the way God has set it up. And the responsibilities of the priest is to bear the ark of the Lord, to stand before the Lord and minister to him, and to bless in his name. Let me give you an example. We've talked a lot about Abraham the last two weeks, but in Abraham, Genesis 4, 14, 14, now when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants, who were born in his own house and went into the in pursuit as far as Dan. Think of verse 16. And so he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. See, when Abraham came back from rescuing his, his, his nephew Lot, <coughs> we talked about how the king of Sodom met him and how the king of Jerusalem, Melchizedek, met him. And Melchizedek, in verse 18, king of Salem, or Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of the God Most High. And this priest blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham, God of Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be the God of Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave him Melchizedek, the priest, a tithe. See, this Melchizedek is a priest king. See, under, under Levi, you could not be a priest and a king. Under the law, under the law of Moses, you could not have this. But we, Jesus, is our high priest after Melchizedek. Because Melchizedek is a type of Christ. We see that explained very clearly in Hebrews chapter 7. But Hebrews chapter 7, that Jesus, our high priest, is also our king of righteousness. And he's also <coughs> our king of peace. Which is Shalom. We're going to talk a lot about I don't know if we'll get there today, but we're going to be talking about, well, about Shalom when we're talking about the priestly blessing, okay? And then, this priest king, Melchizedek, spoke a blessing over Abraham, or Abram at the time, okay? So again, the responsibilities of the priest to bear the ark of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, to bless in his name. So let's, let's deal with this last part, to bless in his name, okay? We, we established the other two. But let's, let's establish this one. So, with this last part, to bless in his name, we're actually going to be spending 
quite a bit of time, but today and possibly next week in Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. Okay. A lot of churches, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, a lot of, a lot of churches, the pastor would give this as a benediction at the end of the, the message. Okay. This is a blessing. This is a pre, this is what really the priestly blessing. A lot of your Bibles and, and will have some subtitles. And a lot of your Bibles will call this a priestly blessing. This is a priestly blessing. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, the high priest under Levi, and he, his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel, and say to them. It's not just, it's not just thinking a blessing, it's speaking a blessing. We're supposed to say something, okay? And this is, we're going to look at this. <coughs> We're going to break these three verses of blessing in verses 24 and 26, but let me just read it to you right now. The Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's shalom. We're going to break this phrase by phrase. We're going to look at this in very detail today and, and possibly even next week. And then verse 27 concludes, So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless there. Remember, the priests were supposed to bear the Ark of the Covenant, minister before the Lord, and bless in his name. The priestly blessing ends with the same thing, and so they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. We're going to look at this a lot more in the conclusion of this section of the priestly blessing, but let's, we're talking about, again, the priestly blessing. You follow me so far? Well, I would I share with this really uh, uh, preview a preface to what we're getting into. So we're going to go into Numbers chapter 6, and we're going to start looking at this phrase by phrase, the first one being, the Lord bless you. So the priestly blessing, there's several things that we're supposed to say, but the first one is, God says, I want you as a priest to say, the Lord bless you. There's some other things we're going to look at these phrase by phrase. Remember, in the New Testament, we are the priests of the Lord. We are the priests of God. And we are to bless the people, saying, the Lord bless you. Okay? Before we get too deep into this, let's look at this word bless in the Hebrew. And it's barak. It means to kneel, to bless, to be blessed, to adore, to praise, to salute. Some of, some of Paul's letters, at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the letter, he will salute many different people. Priscilla and Aquila were one of the ones that he... He, he saluted many times in many of his letters. Okay? He was blessing them. Okay? In Deuteronomy chapter 10, again, at the time the Lord separated the, tri the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant to stand before the Lord to minister to him and to bless him his name. As how I many you know, I, I, I want to tie these two together real quick if we go too deep into this, but how do you know as we stand to minister to the Lord and blessing his name? As we kneel before the Lord, he speaks a blessing over us. You cannot go into God's presence and not be blessed. It doesn't happen. You know, It's like jumping into a swimming pool and not getting wet. It just doesn't happen. God will, bless, will, will speak blessings over you just by being in his presence. We are blessing him, but God is also blessing us. Okay? I don't know about you, but when we worship, when we bless Him, that's why I like worship songs that are putting my focus on Him, not putting my focus on myself. I mean, I love the, the worship song that I grew up with 
uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will go strangely dim. Okay? God is causing us to be blessed, to find favor in the face of the Lord. We'll talk more about this a little bit later. And as we kneel before the Lord, we are receiving from the Lord blessing. And we receive blessing from His presence. Okay? Even Moses said, Lord, as he was going to get the, lead the people to the promised land, do not take your presence from us. <coughs> Moses understood the value of his presence. Joshua, there was one scripture where Joshua went in with Moses, and he just lingered in God's presence as Moses even left. He's asked, one, one, of my, one of my favorite passages of scripture where Joshua had one of the most intimate moments I, I see in scripture with God, and he was just lingering in God's presence presence. I mean, you know, when you're going through an ordeal, when you're going through life, and it's throwing you some curveballs, and life can get very crazy real quick, the, there's a secret place of the Most High. There's a place you can go to, His presence, to be, to be refreshed, to be, get refocused, and to be receive His blessing. And then, we are to take that blessing, and share it, and speak it, and do something Okay? Not hoard it for ourselves. We need to be blessed. We need to be rejuvenated. We need to receive uh, the blessing of God. That's not selfish. What's selfish is you taking it and you never doing anything with it. It's not, it's not selfish to be blessed. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were blessed. But they were blessed to bless all the families of the earth. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. And you know, I don't like it when people religiously attack those who have a lot of money. You do not know, you do not know their situation. You don't know what they're giving. You don't, you know, they might have a fancy car. You don't know if someone gave them that car. You don't know what the situation. So I, you know, I, you know, the Bible says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And some of those accusations are nothing but a curse. And I would do that. I would tread lightly when I do that. And some of us need to keep our religious mouth shut when it comes to stuff like that. I understand there's people who are hoarding. I understand people who are doing it wrong. But who are you to judge them? Who died and made you king? Who died and made you God? That's not your place. And if they're a pastor or a leader, you are out of line. If you don't like their ministry, don't agree with their ministry, just leave. Okay? You're not, it's not your job to correct them. You're, it's not your job to usurp God's authority. Okay? It's not your job. It's out of place, and most likely it's not going to be received. Okay? That's it. But it's not, you don't know. Until you know somebody's seed, don't, do not judge their harvest. You don't know what went into that harvest. Okay? And I don't think there's a wrong with being blessed. It's when we don't share it. Okay? Um, and so when we hoard it to ourselves, that there's a difference, okay? And so, <coughs> that's my opinion, and you can disagree with it all you want, uh, but I, I, I'm sticking to it, okay? Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. Okay, let, uh, where, where am I going with this? I'm going, I'm going back to Abraham. How we know he's our father in many different ways, a father of faith? Let's go back to God's blessing to Abraham. He says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later 
and he says, and you shall be a blessing, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Yes, we are blessed to be a blessing, but nowhere did he say, I'm going to make you poor so that you can be a blessing. I'm going to bless you, but you can't keep it. He didn't say that. Okay? Uh, the, sorry, I didn't mean to go forward, but it works. He, he blesses us for a purpose. Yes, the main purpose is to be a blessing, but that doesn't mean you have to give it all away. Okay? How much can you, you know, that's between you and God. When it comes to finances, even our time, we are stewards. If you are a steward, then you don't own any of it. It's His. How many know everything we have is God's? The silver or the gold is His. So ask Him what to do. How much? 10%, 20%, 50%, 90%? You know? Maybe you like to sign a Phoenician woman. Uh, no, 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 uh, uh, I got the wrong lady, but a, a gal and, uh, with Elijah. We're, she was poor. She needed money. And the, the prophet said, give me your last meal. Give me, in other words, give me 100%. And, yet, and what happened afterwards? The, the flower never became empty. She ne was never poor ever again. Sometimes God will have you give it all. Okay? But get the direction from Him. Don't let someone manipulate you to that. That's wrong. That's evil. Okay? That God is not a manipulator. He's not a con artist. Okay? If he wants to bless you. So trust him. Be a good steward of what God gives you and how, what, how he wants you to do with it. Not just your money, your time. You know, your job, everything. Work what God wants you to work. Be, do what God wants you to do. Be a good steward. But he blesses us to be a blessing. Okay? Maybe God has you have that work, that job that you hate, so that you can be a blessing to your employer. You ever thought that maybe God wants to use you to, to win your employer to God, to Christ? It may not happen this week, this month, even this year, but God has you there being a light. That you, but how I many you know if you're murmuring and complaining to your boss all the time, you're being a very bad light, a very bad witness. You know, people hire people to be a good employee so they can their business can be blessed. Look at Joseph. Joseph, Potiphar's house was blessed because Joseph was there. Pharaoh was blessed because Joseph was there. Same thing with Isaac. Uh, Laban. Laban's house was blessed. Laban changed his wages ten times. He was wicked. And yet, Laban's house was still blessed because Isaac was there. And I'm not saying, you know, I've had jobs I didn't like, but those jobs got me to where I'm at now. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. The key is, he is your Lord. He is your master. Let him direct your life. Let him lead you. You know, some, some things are stepping stones. <coughs> he, says, he says, I think in Psalm 110, step by step he will lead you. And so, there's a purpose to be a blessing. And maybe where you are, it's not your final destination. It might not be your desired haven. But it might be getting you to where God wants to send you, where God wants to lead you. And while you are there, Potiphar's house was not Joseph's final destination. The prison was not his final destination. 
But while he was there, he blessed it. Even the prison house, he blessed it while he was there. His destination was Pharaoh's house. It took decades before he got there. But he got there. He was faithful where he was until God promoted him to where he was supposed to be. Okay? Be faithful where you are. And God will give you charge over more. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 8 again. He gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant. God, we've established this last two weeks. God has blessed us. Or he has established his covenant. He blessed us to establish his covenant. And then he establishes his covenant first with us. Then we go establish his covenant in the earth. Let me say that again. God establishes his covenant with us first in a relationship. And then <coughs> we take that same covenant to the earth, to the world. That's why we minister to God first. Minister to one another, which is part of that same covenant. And then we go take that covenant to the world. Why would we go take it to the world if we can't even get along with one another? Why would we go to the world and say, come receive what we have so that when you become like us, I can treat you worse than I treat the world? Because there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of circle of believers that treat the world better than they treat the church with one another. That is backwards. Why? And there's so many people I have tried to witness through the years who do not want to become a Christian, not because they don't believe the gospel, but because they don't want to be like other Christians they have seen all their lives. They don't want to become like one of them. They don't want to act like one of them. Jesus said it this way, by your love the world will know that you're my disciples. Jesus prayed in John 17, I, Lord, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one so the world would know that you sent me. Your number one evangelism to the world is how you treat one another in the church. How you treat one another in the body of Christ. It's not your theology. It's not different things. It's how you treat one another. We minister to God. We minister to one another. And we minister to the, to the world. Okay? We, in this relationship, we have a covenant relationship with God. He had a covenant with us. And we take that covenant to the world. And part of that taking it to the world is how we treat one another. I don't know if you got anything out of that, but that's awesome for me. The priestly blessing. I want you to say, the Lord bless you. But then he goes on to say, let the Lord keep you. Okay, so where did I get this one? Let's go back to the scripture. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. So he wants us to say, the Lord bless you, but he also wants us to say, let the Lord keep you. Let's look at this phrase, keep, uh, for just a moment. See, the Lord blesses us, but he also keeps us. Okay? What good would be would be if God blessed us and then we we lost everything? <laughs> no, He blesses us and He keeps us. The blessing of God, like I would not be so great if He didn't also keep us. If He didn't preserve us. If He didn't guard us. If He didn't protect us. If He didn't guard, preserve the blessing that He gave us. See, this word "keep" also means to preserve. It means to guard. And it means to protect. God keeps us. 
he blesses us. The part of the blessing <coughs> is that he he keeps not only just not only does he preserve us, but he also preserves and guards and protects the blessing that he gave us. Okay? Go back to Genesis, Abraham real quick. After these days, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. God is not only our reward, he's also our shield. He keeps us. God rewards you, but he also protects you. You know, the word salvation, the word salvation, soteria in the, Hebrew, in the Greek, and the Yeshua in the Hebrew, it means wholeness. It means healing. It means prosperity, but it also means deliverance. God protects. He delivers you. He's your deliverer. He's your Savior. So, again, the Lord bless you and keep you. God brings a blessing, but he also <coughs> protects the blessing. We don't have to fear like the world. So, you know, <coughs> the world is in so much fear. It's not only trying to get the blessing, it's trying to keep the blessing in its own strength. Okay? And I'm not saying that we can't have different things and bank accounts and different ways to protect it and guard it or whatever, but I'm not trusting those as much as I'm trusting my God. Even if someone steals my stuff, and I'm not advocating that, the Bible says, first of all, I can have seven times more back. If the thief is down, I can have seven times more back. And there's been times I have that things have been stored for me, and I demand from the devil to give me seven times back. And even if that weren't true, it is true, but even if that weren't true, if God's my source, someone steals something, my I have the greatest asset of all, God, I can if He gave it to me once, He can give it to me twice. And one says, you can't steal it if I can keep producing it through God. That makes sense? How can you steal from me when I have more where it comes from? And you can't steal God from me. <coughs> Good luck. You know? I have God. I have more where it comes from. I don't have anything to fear. Because I have God on my side. If God be for me, who can be against me? Okay? The Blessing of God enables you to abound, even in famine. We've seen that with Isaac. We've seen that with Joseph. Even Jacob. Even Abraham was in a time of famine. We don't emphasize as much, but he was in the famine just like Isaac. The blessing of God is not dependent on this. The, the whole world can be in the famine, like with Isaac. But the blessing of God enables you to abound and increase despite what's going on in the world. When the world is running in fear, we can move forward by faith. Why? Because we are the blessed of God. We are the people of God. We need to believe this, church. This is who we are. God has made a covenant of increase with us and with Abraham through Christ, which is also to us. We, are, we have inherited this blessing by faith. Going back to Genesis real quick. After these things, the word of the Lord came back to him. And, and vision said, do not be afraid. I am your shield and I am your exceedingly great reward. He has blessed us with a priestly blessing. 
the Lord bless you and keep you. You know, again, this word keep, I want to get going to just a little further. This word keep also means to preserve, guard, protect, save, deliver. So we can rephrase this, the Lord keep you, the Lord preserve you, the Lord guard you, protect you, save you, deliver you. And this also sounds very similar to the, the Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I shall not want. We can rephrase this, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my keeper, the Lord is my protector, the Lord is my shield, the Lord is my guard, the Lord is my savior, the Lord is my deliverer, he's my provider, he's my healer. He's my shepherd. He keeps me. He's not a shepherd where he loses his sheep. And even if he has, he says he will leave the 99 to go after the one. He is a good shepherd. He will keep you. He will bless you. He will keep you. The priestly blessing we are to say, I want you to say the Lord bless you. I want you to say the Lord keep you. Thirdly, I want you to say, the Lord make his face shine upon you. Going back to our verse here in Numbers, the Lord, that's where I get this phrase, the Lord make his face shine upon you. Let's look at this phrase. This word shine in the Hebrew, let's emphasize this word right here, shine. It's pronounced as <coughs> our. <laughs> kind of like our English word O-U-R, it's spelled O-W-R, but it's pronounced the same, hour. And shine means to become like a light or bright. It means to shine. It means to make or to shine. To set on fire. To be glorious. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. In other words, the Lord causes you to be a light. The Lord causes you to shine. Are we not the light of the world? Are we not the soul of the earth? Do we not reflect His glory? Is not the earth filled with His glory? And the word earth in the, in the, in the Bible is usually prophesied. It's usually it talking about the people of God. It's talking about people. The earth is filled. We are jars of clay filled with His glory. His face is shining upon us. He's not only blessing us, He's not only keeping us, His face is shining upon us. His countenance, His glory. Did He not tell Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. We talk a lot about blessing, but this is fame. God wants you to shine. God wants you to, your name to be great. Not so you gloat in that. But then you glow in Him. If you, if, if you are no one the world respects, how are you going to win the world? Pot, Potiphar saw the blessing on Joseph. Pharaoh saw the blessing on Joseph. Laban saw the blessing on Jacob. The Philistines saw the blessing on Isaac. Even the people who mocked Noah saw the blessing. Especially when it started to rain in the, in the, the dark clothes. I can just imagine. They were like, he knew something we didn't. You know, people will see the blessing of God on your life. 
We're not blessing, seeing the blessing just so we can be selfish and, and look at me and poor you. No. We want to be blessed so that you can have what we have and more so you can be blessed to be a blessing. Why people, why people want what we have if we are begging them for money, begging them for stuff. Bible says we are to be the lender of many and borrow of none. And I'm not putting you down if you've had to borrow money. I'm just saying there's a better way. <coughs> His face wants to shine upon you. He wants to make your name great. He says, I'm going to cause you to shine. We're talking about the priestly blessing. He wants to make his face shine upon you. The Lord sets, um, uh, uh, sets you on fire with his glory. I'm not trying to be religious here, but that's what the word shine means. John 17, Jesus prayed this way before he went to the cross. He says, Lord, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. God, Jesus prayed, and Jesus said, he has given us his glory. That's awesome. Where do we miss this? We have the glory of God. You have the glory of God on you. We are marked by the glory of God. <coughs> the priestly blessing is I want you to say, we're not just believing this, we are, but we're saying this. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. <coughs> And then I want you to say, the Lord be gracious to you. Going to the next part, phrase of this verse, in number 6, 22, 24, and 26, and be gracious to you. This phrase, gracious, is, it, I love this. When I looked this up in the, in, the, in the Hebrew, you know what the word gracious means? It means Canaan. What's Canaan? The promised land. The promised land is a land of grace. It means divine favor. It means divine grace. It can also mean divine mercy. We'll get into that in just a moment. There's some other definitions you can get out of this. But it's, it, it, we, I'm trying to teach from my heart. I believe what God's saying here, based on I mean, the context, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. His God gives you favor. We have the favor of God. We're not trying to get it. We have it. And the favor of God is on my life. The favor of God is on my family. It's on my home. It's on my body. It's in my finances. The favor of God is on my ministry, my business. Whatever he has called me to do, the favor of God is on my life. The Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The favor of God, God God's favor is not only on me, but he makes us favorable. Okay? You have favor with God. You have favor with man. And you have a good Understanding. Our, again, our pastor lost in Purdue. 
you will hear him say this over and over again. I have favor with God, I have favor with man, and have a good understanding. Lots of Purdue, when he teaches this, he will show you testimony after testimony after testimony, especially kids. He's known many kids, and some of them in different countries, some of them in America, even his own son one time, where they were struggling in school, maybe school overall, or in one subject, or geometry, or whatever it might be. And he had one testimony, I forget this one girl, what country she was from, I think she was from a different country. But anyway, that doesn't really matter, because it will work for everybody, everywhere, every time. She was at the bottom of the class, and she, he told her, I forget what age this child was, he said, I want you to do every day, I have favor with God, I have favor with man, I have a good understanding. Say this over and over. Speak it over yourself, speak it over your, 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 your classroom, speak it over you. And within less than a month, she went to the bottom of the class, to the top of the class. Her son, his own son did this, other people have done this. When they speak a blessing, the priestly blessing, over themselves, I have favor with God, I have favor with man, and I have a good understanding. Lawson does this over his own family, he does this over his own church, he does this over his own life, and you, if you know Lawson Perdue and his family, his son, you know where they come from, you know their testimony, but you also know where they are. His sons are blessed. Their family is blessed, their church is blessed, uh, you know, and whatnot. And again, we're not just talking about wealth. We're talking about their whole lives are blessed. And, and, they, and I've seen this happen with so many different people. And, I mean, from the from young children who are, who are at, the, at the, the bottom of the class. They're getting, they got a no home from the parents, from the teacher to the parents. And we don't know what to do, but your child's struggling. They're at the bottom of the class. No matter what we do, they can't. And they, they begin to say this, I have favor with God, favor with man, and a good understanding. And within just weeks, less than a month, they went from the bottom of the class to the top of the class. Why? The blessing of God. And so, Jacob had favor. Jacob had favor with God, with man, and a good understanding. Joseph had favor. Both of these men, in many ways, were at the bottom of the class. Jacob was running from the left, from, Je- from Esau. Because from Esau's point of view, he stole the birthright in blessing, even though that wasn't true. It was to see this how it came about. But at the same point in time, there was a lot of, like I said, this whole family was a carnal artist. But at the same point in time, he was running for his life. And so when he left Esau, he left with nothing. And then he had that encounter with God that we call Jacob's Ladder. And then he comes to Laban's house, who <coughs> Laban thought he was marrying Rachel. And, and, and said he woke up in the morning with the rod sister because Laban switched it out and then he had worked 14 years for both both wives and he had it took a while for Rachel to have the first the, the, the Joseph and eventually had Benjamin but it just seemed like there was trial after trial after trial but God blessed him so much that when he left Laban's house 14 years later he left with, in our dollars, millions and millions of, 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 of dollars worth of livestock and, 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 and treasures and whatnot. He worked for it. He didn't steal it. But he was blessed. Joseph 
came to, to Potiphar's house, saw, betrayed by his brother, sold by the Ishmaelites and the, the, the Egyptian, didn't have anything, and yet he was prosperous to the point where he became the prime minister of Egypt. And not only did he save his, his own life, but he actually saved pretty much the world because of the famine that was almost worldwide because of his wisdom and the favor he had. Uh, Laban saw the favor in Joseph, and Jacob, and Pharaoh saw the favor of God on Joseph. That's made, made, jo made, Pot I mean, made Pharaoh the richest man on the planet because of Joseph. Egypt was the empire at that time, lack of a better term. Egypt was the biggest nation at, at the time. And because Pot, uh, Pharaoh became big because of Joseph. And saved nations, including his own brothers and family. Because that's where Israel came to the Pharaoh and lived in Goshen for a time period. I'm just saying that we have favor. And, we, and if this happened in the Old Testament, how much more that we live in a better government with better promises? You have favor. His face shines on you. His grace is on you. His favor is on you. And the favor of God is on us, and it makes us favorable, but it also directs us favor towards us. Okay? Proverbs says it this way, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. We have the favor of God. And it, it, it can direct the heart of the king towards us like it did with Joseph and other people. The favor of God can direct different people and different things to you that may never have normally happened without the favor of God. The favor of God can do things for you that people can't do for you. Thank God for his favor. Thank God for his goodness. We need to believe in his favor. We need to thank him for his favor. And we need to speak his favor because the word of God has, we are bearing the ark of the covenant. And we need to speak his favor on our lives, on our homes, on our families, on our friends, and our churches, and our businesses, and different things. The word of God has power in your mouth when you speak it. When you speak the word of God, it has power. And we're going to keep believing the word, we're going to keep speaking the word, and we're going to go forward. Keep believing God. Keep believing his word. But it also means <coughs> this word gracious, Canaan, can also mean divine mercy. And the reason I want to go here just for a moment I don't have a lot of scripture for this, but I just, uh, let me just say this. You might have messed up big time. Maybe you are in a situation because you are the one that just made a mess of your life. Well, God's gracious to you. His face is trying to bond you. And how many know that God can take your mess and God can turn it around for his glory? I want to say that again. We need to hear this, folks. We might have made a mess, but God is merciful, and He is gracious, and His favor did not end because you messed up. 
Jamie, if you <coughs> excuse me, the Bible does say if you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you'll reap corruption. Not from God, but from the flesh. If you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you'll reap corruption. We think it's God doing it. No, it's your flesh that reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. If you sow corn, you're going to reap corn. If you sow corruption, you're going to reap corruption. But how do you know that God can turn our life around by his mercy? Okay? And he can turn the situation around. Our favor is based on, a, on God's promise to Abraham, to Christ, through Abraham, not based on you. God made a covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant through Jesus Christ. And you can't spoil it. Now, you might not be walking in it. You might not be experiencing it because you did mess up. But all you got to do is get off the ground, get back into a covenant relationship with God, and God can bless you by His grace and mercy like if you never dropped the ball. Instead of double, instead of shame, He says He'll give it double honor. I can give you story, example, verse after verse after verse, that when God restores, He restores double. Even when you mess up. Even when you cause an issue. That's the gospel. That's the Bible. You know, and I, and I don't know how we miss that. And so, um, anyway, I'm, almost, I'm basically out of time here. I'm going to pick it up here next week. I'm going to cut it off here. We're not quite finished Numbers chapter 6. But I don't want, I don't want to uh, rush this. we got more here. And then i got some more things I'm going to be talking about the priesthood blessing outside of Romans chapter, I mean, Numbers chapter 6. But I'm not done with this. I'm going to recap some of this next week, briefly, hopefully. And then we'll finish Numbers chapter 6. And then we'll finish talking about the priesthood blessing. And then we will talk about... Um, <coughs> see if I can... Then we'll be talking about the commanded blessing of God. Okay, so we're not quite done with here, but we are going to talk about here, and then when we got there, we'll get into the commanded blessing of God, and then we'll be wrapping this series up. Okay, so we're talking about experiencing the blessing of God. I don't know if you got anything out of this this morning, but we, as a priest, this is a priestly blessing. Our great high priest is blessing us with this blessing, just like Melchizedek blessed Abraham. At the same point in time, we as a priesthood of believers, as we receive a blessing, we are blessing others with the same blessing that God has blessed us. We are bearing the Ark of the Covenant, His covenant, and we are, we are ministering before the Lord, and we are speaking His, His blessing in His name. Okay? The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. And then we're going to finish the last part of this verse next week. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.